and welcome to the Alka Huh podcast, the podcast that says, now every February, you'll be my Valentine. Valentine. Yay! Welcome back, everybody. Tonight, we're in the Valentine's mood as of recording. It is February 13th, and I thought I should do something a little Valentine-y. Haha. <laughs> You're so funny. The dead look in your eyes gives away my comedy. Um, you know, I have a little bit of a interest in mythos, especially Greek and Norse. And there's one character that doesn't get a whole lot of limelight, but you hear about him a lot. That's Eros. Got rock. Sure, I hear about him all the time. Got a rock named after him. Come on. An asteroid. If you say so. Okay, okay, okay. That'd be the Greek. What if I called him by his Roman name? Would that make you feel better? You might know him more as Cupid. Aww, the cute little baby that flies around in a diaper shooting arrows. Yeah, pretty much. Almost, but not quite. Hold on. Eros was not a cute little baby in diapers. We'll get into that. But, you know, cute little babies in diapers make everybody happy. <laughs> Until you have to change that diaper. He's not our baby. So he's the god of desire, love, attraction, and affection. Cupid, and most sources Everything say... Everything I feel for you. You didn't put loathing, animosity, disappointment. Cupid doesn't stand for that. Oh, we gotta pull some other gods out of the pantheon? Yes. Okay. Well, he's the son of Venus and Mars, according to most mythos. And that's Does to... poor Pluto, that's no longer a planet, have any children? You'd know him as Hades. That's Pluto's child? Sorry, no, no, but we're getting into different mythos here. Sorry. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, um, we're not talking about all of the ancient gods and goddesses. Um, I just feel bad for Pluto that's no longer a planet. Let's not go there. Okay, sorry. Explain this a bunch of times. Pluto's smaller than Australia. Yes, but Pluto it's, was a planet for the longest time. Just because people couldn't come up with a common definition of what a planet is or is not. That's what it is. Pluto's way too small to actually be a planet. Pluto's a dog on Mickey Mouse. True. <laughs> but Cupid is mom and dad, Venus and Mars. They represent Venus's love. Mars is the god of war, or Ares if you prefer, if you want to go that route, Beth. Doesn't matter. Girls go to Venus. God. No. Too late now. And what you gonna get there? Boys go to Venus. No. No. Girls go to... The girls go to Mars. Yeah, the girls go to Mars. But you're like quoting some self-help book or no. something. No. What is that quote? The girls... Boys really? go to Jupiter to get more stupider and boys go to... Boys go to Jupiter. Yeah, you said, but girls go to Mars to get candy bars. That's how it starts. Boys go to Jupiter to get more stupider comes after that. <laughs> okay. Now that I've got us completely off topic. I want to know why you want to go to Venus. Come on, tell me, baby. Venus flytraps, duh. Yeah, sure, because that rhymes. Girls go to Venus to get Venus flytraps. <laughs> Um, as with most Roman gods, though, his mythos was taken from the Greeks. And that's where, you know, I stumped you with the Eros. As Eros, he was a slender-winged boy. 
Grew into a slender winged man, huh? Yeah. You wore a diaper? Yeah, you probably wore a toga. But it wasn't until the Hellenistic period that he kind of got transmogrified into the chubby winged baby we think of today. With a diaper. Right. And that's also when he got his bow and arrow, actually. In the Greek myths, he didn't have a... He was so sweet and cute. He was. But think of it more like Pit from Kid Icarus. You know? The kid on the on the Smash Brothers game, the kids play, that goes, Hee-ya! Kind of like that. Yeah. Now, the bow's a representation of his power, and anyone mortal, demigod or god, shot by it falls madly in love. With the first person he sees? Yep. Or... Or, you know, dog or monster or there's all sorts of things. The marrows are potent. Mm-hmm. I love my neighbor's cow now. Thanks, <laughs> Cupid. There's only one story that has Cupid as the main character, and I thought it'd be appropriate on this recording to tell you this story. Because he's a, like, Are you being device. romantic? You tell me after the story. If I'm being romantic. But, you know, in other stories, he's a plot device and he's just used to move things forward, really. In this one, he's right up in there. Mm -hmm. So, I'm going to give you a little summary that I kind of transposed here from some poems and some readings that I did. And... It's his part in the allegory uh, Metamorphoses, which is also known as... Such big words. The Golden Ass. <laughs> and it was originally written by Lucius Apelius Madoranius, a.k.a. Platonicus. Right. Platonicus. You can do that. We're platonic. Yes. I love your firm handshakes. All right. Without further ado... Once upon a time, because I thought it'd be nice to start like that. There was a king and queen, and they had three beautiful daughters. Their youngest daughter, Psyche, was the most beautiful. By her beauty, she gained admirers who prayed and made her offerings. It was this that brought her to the attention of Venus. You see, the admirers had once prayed to Venus, and now they were saying that Psyche was a second coming of Venus, or that she was the daughter of Venus and a mortal. That's, no, no. Venus is like, nope, uh-uh. Don't be saying that about me. I don't do that dirty business. That That's Jupiter's thing. Zeus back in the day, you know, he'd turn into animals and stuff and get his... <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Obviously. Um, this angered Venus, and she decided that her son Cupid would exact her revenge. Cupid was to take his bow and make Psyche fall in love with something hideous. But I wasn't there at the time. Oh. Aww. Shot you instead. <laughs> ah. Golden. <laughs> As Cupid approached Psyche, he drew an arrow to shoot her. He accidentally nicked himself, removing it from his quiver, and instead of Psyche falling in love with a monster, he fell madly in love with her. Psyche's sisters were both married by this point. Yet, for all of her admirers and how beautiful she was, she was still single. And her dad was pretty worried, so he went to the temple of Apollo for answers, thinking that she was cursed by the gods. Well, Venus kind of had a thing out against her, you know. 
The oracle in the temple told the king that he would have no mortal son-in-law. Instead, it would be a dragon that scared everyone, even Jupiter himself. So, the king prepares a rite in which marriage and death are combined, and Psyche is dressed in funeral clothes and then thrown off a jagged mountaintop. Seems legit. That's what you do. The west wind, Zephyr, caught her and carried her to a beautiful meadow in which she fell asleep immediately, because after getting thrown off a mountain, you're probably pretty tired. <sighs> that would make me tired. You're riding the wind, you know, you're like, oh, this is exhausting. Zonked out. <clears throat> but when she woke up, she realized that she's, like, by a really nicely tended orchard. And she decided she'd wander through, check it out, maybe explore a little. And she finds this mansion, and it's got golden columns and carved ceilings and jewel-encrusted floors, and a loud voice, seemingly from nowhere, telling her to make herself at home. So she does. And she dines on a feast that prepared itself, and she sang along to music, that came from this sounds like, kind of an Beauty and the Beastish. Liar. I'm thinking Beauty and the Beastish kind of sounds more like this because this was written a long, long time before that. Well, she ends up in a bedroom where, in the dark, someone she can't see makes her his wife. And I did air quotes there. <laughs> she never sees him because he always leaves before light, and he tells her he, she can't look at him. Basically, does eventually, she like him? Eventually, yeah, yeah she kind of does. He's kind of sweet, and eventually, she come, becomes pregnant because she's his wife. Air quotes again. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, Psyche's family seeks to know what's become of her. So Cupid has Zephyr bring his sisters for a visit. What they thought throwing her off the cliff wasn't enough. Well, they didn't see her go splatter on the rocks or anything below. They saw her get whisked away. I mean, she was like cloud surfing, you know, think kick cloud kicker, but without the airplane. <laughs> okay, so a sister or her sisters show up, and upon seeing the opulence that Psyche lives in. Her sisters, who are extremely jealous of her, begin to coax her into discovering the truth about her husband. After all, he was a dragon that would eat her and her child, according to the oracle. So, after, you know, kind of listening to her sisters, she finally gives in to the insistent girls. So one night, after Cupid fell asleep, she snuck into his room with a lamp and a dagger. Her plan was to kill the monster once she had seen it. Now, when the light hit Cupid, she was shocked by his beauty, so much so that she jumped back and dropped the lamp. She nicked herself on one of his arrows, and she became even more infatuated with him. But Cupid was burned by that hot oil from the lamp that she dropped, and he took off in a panic. So then, she began to wander the earth looking for her lost love. And that's where I stopped transcribing. You want to know how it ends? How's it end? You really want me to tell you? Or Ruin you it. Tell me. Yeah. Spoiler alert. This story is 1,800 years old. Spoiler. Spoiler, folks. If you don't want to know, leave now. Cover your ears. Say beep for like five minutes because I ramble. So basically, she does. She takes off after him and... She goes into the forest, encounters the god Pan, and she's got to be like, oh, you really are a god, you are divine, okay, whatever. And she continues on her way. 
Well, eventually, Venus gets hold of her. She tortures her. And then she makes her do labors, kind of like Hercules was made to do labors. And long story short, does a bunch of things, like there's a guy swimming in the river, sticks she can't look at, you know, dead people in the underworld. Well, she has to collect something from the underworld that is, like, creates insurmountable beauty. And so she's walking out of the underworld with it, and eh, I'm going to take this for myself. Beep, you, Venus. <laughs> and so she does, and then she gets a spell cast on her, knocks her out. Well, Cupid eventually finds her, takes that sleep spell, puts it back in the box, came in. They're back together. They fall in love all over again and get married. The end. And does she ever have this dragon child? There was no dragon child. Apollo is working with Venus, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, yeah, you're a... Well, he's going to be a butt-ugly dragon thing. <laughs> Turns out he wasn't very butt-ugly, dragony looking. Well, since this is the end of your story... Oh, no. I decided I wasn't going Valentine's Day-ish this time. I did chocolate last time, you know. I was just looking for an excuse to talk mythos again. And I was pretty sure you were going to do something along the lines of Valentine's Day. And I contemplated going into roses and everything, but... Tell, tell me about how my story couldn't fit any time of the year, though. Just that <laughs> Cupid was the main character. There was no fighting or anything. I mean, you should high-five me. High-fives. Um, I am actually going to talk about the history of the soda fountain tonight. Ooh, sweet! And the soda fountain fits into quite... A few things that we've actually talked about lately. Like prohibition? Oh, we talk about that. Mm -hmm. We talk about cocoa. We talk about bottling and or canning. But we didn't talk about ice cream. We didn't. And I don't get into the ice cream part of it. I'm sticking earlier than that. Ooh, cool. I want to go to a soda shop that's a front for a bar. Wait till we get to the prohibition area and start talking about it. That's where I was going, folks. Uh, you're going in the wrong direction, then. I don't think so. Um, the first marketed soft drinks were non-carbonated and appeared in the 17th century. And these soft drinks were made from water and lemon juice, and then they added a sweetener of honey to it. And lithium. <laughs> Seriously. Joseph Priestley, though, was able to create the first drinkable man-made class of carbonated water in 1767. Then, in 1777... 1767? 1767. Ooh. Pre-cool. Well, pre-American independence. Nice. Then, in 1770, um, Torben Bergman, a Swedish chemist, also invented... A generating apparatus to make carbonated water from... That's where I knew his name from. Chalk by the use of sulfuric acid. That's where I knew that name from. Uh, folks, I work with sulfuric acid at work, <laughs> actually. So, I knew I knew that name. Uh, Mr. Bergman's apparatus was what was allowed... Was what allowed imitation mineral water to be made and sold in large amounts. Because back in the day, drinking mineral water was considered very, very healthy. It still is. There's a lot of circles that still swear by it. 
1832, though, John Matthews changed the carbonated beverage game in America. He invented an apparatus of his own for the making of carbonated water. Hold on. Did you say the game? Yeah. Okay. Now, Lemmy from Motorhead did some intro music for a pro wrestler you might know. He also goes by the game. Oh, Triple H! You <laughs> dropped it again. I got it in there. Yeah. Sometimes they call him the game. Okay. Now we may continue. We've got that reference in again. I wouldn't have even thought of it if you wouldn't have said anything before we recorded. Well, Mr. Matthews went on to mass man. Mr. Matthews. Is that Mr. Feeney that said it? No? <laughs> <laughs> he went on to mass manufacture his apparatus, apparatus for sale to soda fountain owners. And back in the day, drinking either natural or artificial mineral water was thought to be a healthy practice. Hmm. And since most soda fountains were found in pharmacies, it's no surprise that American pharmacists began adding medical and flavorful herbs to the unflavored mineral water. Did you did you get into any of the herbs? Examples Sweet. of some of these herbs used were dandelion. Dandelion bir- wine is so good. Birch bark. Love that. Fruit extracts and sarsaparilla. Did you know that my Aunt Holly loved mineral water? No. Yes, and she's my late Aunt Holly now, but I used to go over there as a small child and try samples of her mineral water. She just liked it. I don't think she was going for health benefits. She just really liked the stuff. And there were some unique flavors, like like a guava and lemon, obviously, like you said. And yeah, I've had I've had many flavors of mineral water. Well, soda fountain customers didn't take long to decide that they needed their drinks to go or to have at home, so that gave birth to the soda drink bottling industry. Awesome. There were over 1,500 U.S. patents filed for either a cap, cork, or lid to keep the carbonated beverage in its bottles. And keeping it in was no easy task. No. The soda bottles now even go up to like 120 PSI. Yeah, the bottles were under a lot of pressure. Um, Finally, in 1892, though, the crown cork bottle seal was patented by William Painter. We still use those. Pretty much. But I don't want to go too much into the bottling thing. We use those mostly on beer. But you know what a crown cork is? Uh Uh-uh. It's the crown-shaped top, and it's got a cork liner. Instead of a plastic or rubberized liner like you have today, it's got cork in there. Like, I think maybe OK Soda still uses them, if you can find an OK Soda. There's still some things that have the cork-lined lids. I'm going to take a step or two back in the soda fountain to the soda fountains being founded commonly in pharmacies. I want to talk more about that. Um, Since so many individuals viewed the carbonated water as a health drink, the pharmacists also mainly used liquid medications back then and began combining the two, also adding ingredients that they felt were health-providing. Soda jerk, get me a laudanum pop. Such as they felt that sarsaparilla was linked to curing syphilis. Oh, wow. That's really misguided. Or phosphor acid could help with hepatitis. Yeah, no. That's a a liver thing. (laughs) Um, It was also rather common for the pharmacist to mix in a shot of whiskey 
to their concoctions for medical purposes, of course. You gotta thin that blood a little bit. Maybe dull the pain? Um, but during the 19th century, it wasn't just booze that they were adding. Narcotics were just as commonly likely to be a common ingredient in your soda fountain drink. That's why I said the laudanum. Um, Pharmacists were also known to mix drugs called nervines into their concoctions. Nervines was a category that included cannabis, morphine, opium, heroin, and cocaine. Well, those are, like, some of them are very similar, and some of them are quite different. Like, I could see the opiates and heroin, but like the cannabis and cocaine... They're very different. They come from totally different sources. Well, side note time. All right. Um, when cocaine was introduced in 1855, it was considered a wonder drug that could do no harm. Um, when used as a soda fountain ingredient, it was viewed as something that would really give you an edge. Yeah, a little, a little pick-me-up. Um, recipes from back in the day suggested using about 0.01 grams of cocaine per drink. Well, that's good. I mean, that's 0.01 grams. I'm not keen on my cocaine measurements, but I think that the less is the better. In comparison to today, to today that 0.1 grams of cocaine equals about a tenth of a line of coke. I've never done coke, so I'm not quite sure how that plays out, but I've seen movies. Done rum and coke. (laughs) That's that's the extent of my experience with it. Um, This whole talk of coke leads me to Coke or Coca-Cola. And in the South, if you want anything, you order a Coke. We'll get to that later. Awesome. Um, Coke was originally developed by Civil War veteran and pharmacist John Stith Pemberton. While he was looking, while he was looking for an antidote to the common morphine addictions that followed the Civil War. Well, if you're gonna get rid of morphine, you <laughs> might as well use cocaine. Um, I, I, I just <laughs> love the old timey medicine. It's a wonder drug. I love the old timey medicine. Well, you know it's a topical anesthetic too. You can rub it on. You know, you don't need no Novocaine in your mouth. You just rub some cocaine on your gums. You'll be fine. <laughs> I just it's mind blowing. The first advertisement for the drink ran on the patent medicine page of the Atlanta Journal in 1886, stating that Coca-Cola was viewed as a health drink, containing the properties of the wonderful coca plant and the famous cola nuts. Did you ever wonder about how you can take a plant like the coca plant and how they figured out how we got to do this whole process to get it refined to the point of being cocaine? Because it doesn't just grow cocaine. And I know that, like, some of the indigenous people in South America would chew it for an edge, but... Well, cocaine is a coca leaf extract. Right. And the African cola nut is known for its high caffeine content. Thus, Coca-Cola. Right. But how do you get from point A to B there? I mean, on TV, you see it pictured as a white powder, not a leaf. Who did this? <laughs> people way back in the day i'm not going to do a podcast on how to make cocaine (laughs) i'm just kind of curious now somebody knows write us an email but i don't want any samples (laughs) once the pure food and drug act of 1906 required narcotics to be clearly labeled the vast majority of coca-cola's cocaine was removed 
But it did take until 1929 before they came up with a method that could eliminate all traces of the drug. Wow. So that, until 1929. Yeah, that makes me think, though. Um, have you seen those old advertisements for medical tonics? The labels say, like, 35% morphine. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's... Cures your cold. I've seen the things about why my grandparents never missed a day of work. Well, I suppose. How productive were they? Didn't matter. I lost an arm today. But I still feel great. Yeah. The prohibition movements were fans of the soda fountain. Go figure. Um, One example was Hire's Root Beer that was presented as a non-alcoholic alternative and marketed so. Who needs a beer when you can have a root beer? That's not your father's root beer. (laughs) Okay, this leads us back to the bottling of soda, which I'm cutting off at this point for on my history of the soda fountain. Okay. But I want to get back to the whole pop versus soda thing. Oh, yeah. That's a very regional thing, isn't it? Um, well, I looked up an um, pop versus soda page on the internet. There's a page called Pop Versus. That doesn't surprise me. There is, and it's an ongoing, you can go and leave your vote well, for what you call it. And You say pop, I say soda, so there's that. I said soda when I was little, though, for the region that I grew up in, but nobody knew what I was talking about when I moved. But I live here. When I lived here, I think, I think the people that you talked to were just ignorant. Well, as of 2015, because that was the last time they updated... Okay. The whole thing. Um, Pop had 140,009 votes. Soda had 159,760 votes. Coke had 56,307 votes. And 18,576 people call it something else. What, What else could you call it? Give me a mineral water that's flavored like a cola nut. And I had to do a little bit of searching on that page because this also included Canada. And sorry, Canadians, but I cut you out on this and went with only the United States for my numbers. Oh, yeah. Snub the Canadians. Well, Beth, have you ever had any strange sodas? Um, Like, Like, not necessarily, like, just ones that were... From a different region that are pretty I've common there. I've seen strange sodas. The whole ranch soda that we bought your okay, dad. Yeah, that, I didn't even get to try that. I mean. I didn't want to try that. But have you had any sodas from anywhere else? Like, outside of the United States? Because I've had sodas from Germany, and I cannot remember the names of it because I was about 10. I haven't. And I tried a Japanese soda, too, and it was like... But I do feel we talked about this before. We could have. I don't know. Probably not on the podcast. No, I feel we did. Of sodas that you've had from somewhere else? I don't think so. We were talking about something about drinks or something. But, okay, like, what's your favorite soda, Beth? Diet Coke. Diet Coke. All time. Your whole life. Diet Coke's the most favoritist ever... No, I'd have to say a strawberry soda. Strawberry soda. See, I am a fan of the orange soda, but it's got to be a particular orange soda. I, I thought like... you liked black cherry. 
I do, I do, but it's not my absolute most favorite soda. Nope, I like orange sun-kissed. The orange fago is okay. <laughs> you said oh. fago. <laughs> what are you, four? <laughs> no, because a four-year-old wouldn't get it. What are you, ten? He'd get it. <laughs> He'd be like, you just insulted yourself, Dad. But, yeah, yeah orange sun-kissed. I've never been to a soda fountain. I know you can go to some places and there's still, like, a gimmicky thing. Right. And you can go to these flashback diners and stuff. But what about, like, you can have a soda mach- or a soda stream, soda machine at your house. Like, uh, you can get those soda streams for your house. Yeah, I've kind of looked into those, but I'm a little... Not sure about them, because you can get, like, Kool-Aid and stuff to put in your soda stream. Right. Well, I've, I've seen a lot of fail videos of those. You can get on YouTube and look at fails, and they just blow up all over the kitchen. And I just don't want that. You know, I feel it's just much easier to go to the grocery store and buy my case of whatever I want to drink. Right. Which goes back to canning. Soda cans, same as your beer cans. Thank you, beer industry. Although... I also like to have the nostalgia of remembering the quarter machine sodas, sodas. Ah, uh, the uh, the generic sodas that you can get for half the price of a name brand. Yes, but they came in all the fruit flavors. When I was a little kid, here's some nostalgia for you. I used to really love these sodas called New York Seltzers. It was a flavored seltzer water soda, and mine, I think, my favorite was the blue raspberry. It was clear. But it had the hint of flavor to it. Okay, after I bought those black cherry things, that, those were horrible. Those weren't the same thing, though. Those weren't seltzer waters. I forget what those were, but those were... Horrible! Yeah. I'm not going to drop the brand name here, but I know exactly what they are. But they were not a f- flavorful soda. They were basically just a lightly hinted mineral water. Have you noticed in your travels also that certain brands of sodas are very regional? Oh, yeah. Demographic? Like, oh, yeah. there's a Pepsi area and a Coke area. Right. And... But why isn't there ever an RC Cola area? You hardly ever see that in a soda fountain like at the gas station. Right. And is Which, that just Is that here? fair to call that a soda fountain anymore? Well, it's a fountain, and I suppose it does the job of the soda jerk, because that's what they were called. I'm not being mean. Jerk. Um, I did find in my research that a lot of bartenders, after the soda fountains became so popular, would moonlight at soda fountains during the day. Why not? Get a little bit more money, practice mixing some other kind of drinks. But then that brings us to the whole, like, the... Uh, alcohol-infused sodas. Like, I can't think of any major liquor manufacturer that doesn't have something infused with cola. Like Jack Daniels with their hard cola. Uh, Captain Morgan did it for a while. I don't know if they still do. I don't think so. But what about just the hard sodas? You know, I said not your father's root beer. Now there's a whole whole bunch of I like the cream soda better than the not your father's root beer. Not your father's cream soda. But Here what? we are name-dropping all kinds of brands. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, free free pub. Uh, the 
the Henry's hard sodas that have like orange soda and although I do know we cola. have talked about in previous episodes about that candy store we like. Right. They also carry a vast amount of bottled soda pop. They're the biggest selection of of varieties of sodas that aren't just regional. They're from everywhere. They import sodas from all over the world. In our state. In the entire Midwest. In the entire Midwest? Yeah. That's what their sign said. I've had some delicious cherry flavored sodas from there. I had a really good grape soda from there, too. They do have quite the selection. It's hard to make a decision because, you know, I mean, you have 10,000 choices. Although you even look at our local hardware store that carries a variety yeah. of sodas. Which and is awesome. Our oldest, who is zombie obsessed, just because they had zombie drool or something, he had to have it because right. it said zombie. Of course, he's also cola obsessed, so every time is like a dilemma. Which one should it be? I don't know. Uh, imagine if there was one with a zombie kitten cola. <laughs> It'd be set. But I don't really have anything else to say. My, I don't. my favorite pop is barley pop. Barley and hops, that is. <laughs> nice. My, nice grandpa, my grandpa says barley and barley pop. But if you want to get in touch with us about your favorite soda, or if you uh, want to know more about Cupid, or you've got something to tell us about Cupid. Or if you just want to talk to us and say how much you love us. Or tell us how much you love me and how Beth shouldn't say pop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or how much you love Beth and how I'm just a jerk. But not a soda jerk. Um, get a hold of us. Our email is alcoha at gmail.com. We have a Facebook and a Twitter page. Both of them are Alcaha Podcast. You'll, you'll find us. We're becoming more and more common on the social meets. Also, we would love to know what lists listening agent you're using to listen to us by we're finding out that we're on more and more and we're not even sure what all we're on right if you're on itunes if you're on the mozilla if you're on the stitcher if you're on another one that i didn't list let us know because you know we can focus our attention more on the ones that more people are listening on and you know we just do this for fun you don't have any advertisements here. Uh, we just want to hang out. Although we did give a whole bunch of free advertisements tonight. Um, we call those plugs. How's that sound? <laughs> and if it comes to a point where we do have advertisements, we'll keep a minimum for you guys. And on that note, I'm EJ. I'm Beth. Thank you for listening and happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs>